the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. It's been an interesting week. Markets have slid on fears that the Fed's going to keep on tightening, that a recession is coming. It's been a week of Bitcoin drama. Tim Draper started us out. He's a venture capitalist saying that he thinks Bitcoin's going to hit $250,000 next year despite the FTX collapse. While Tim Draper, uh, while other analysts said, you know, it go to zero. Mark Mobia said Bitcoin could crash 10,000 next year, a more than 40% drop. Another strategist said that Bitcoin could drop to 5,000 next year. That was standard charter. So the week started off with a little bit of drama. Airlines said they're going to return to profitability in 2023. Interesting to note, they're getting back to 2019 levels, maybe in 2023. 2019, we made, as the airline industry made, about $26.4 billion. Now they want to make $4.7 billion next year. Do you feel for them or not? It's really tough to get sympathy going for an airline, isn't it? This week, I learned the crazy number that 260 million packages are stolen off our porches every year, which values comes to about $20 billion, $19.5 billion. TikTok still on our national security review. Could you imagine if that ends? How disappointed some children will be, including my own. Yes. At the center of the controversy is how the data is used, how the algorithms are pumped out. And let me just give you a quick example of how China can use TikTok to gain a, a world advantage. They, if every fifth video is a, you know, I went to college and it stunk. I paid way too much money for a degree and I didn't get a job video. And our kids get discouraged and don't go to college. Could happen, right? Could be a legit video that some young American creates that China decides let's push this one. Yeah, it feels like a stretch, but it's not. Uh, Therano CEO Sonny Balwani was sentenced week, joining his partner in crime, Elizabeth Holmes. Sonny Balwani, Ramesh Sonny Balwani. Got 13 years in prison. She got 11 for a $9 billion fraud on a technology that did not exist, but it's slowly starting to come into existence, which I'm not going to say is ironic. It's more of a coincidence that they took advantage of more and more cancer screens and tests are going to be done with just a small amount of blood versus a large amount of blood. Um, but they'll be in prison and they won't be able to see it happening is the thought. I know that sounds really kind of, uh, what's the word? Sarcastic. 
Brittany Griner's free. Russian authorities released WNBA star Brittany Griner yesterday in a high-profile one-for-one prisoner swap brokered by the Saudi leaders and United Arab Emirates, although the United States White House is saying that's not the case. Griner had been in Russian detention since February following her arrest at a Moscow airport for drug charges. She was carrying vape cartridges containing less than a gram of cannabis oil. That's a story is going to be uh, made for HBO sooner rather than later, right? Elsewhere out there, um, Banksy, he's an artist that I like very much. So he's selling some of his artwork on a platform called Masterworks. Um, he's getting fantastic returns, reminding us that you don't have to own stocks only or bonds or real estate. Or crypto. There's other asset classes like artwork. The FTC is suing to block Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Regulators have filed a lawsuit against the tech giant alleging that it's planned by the Call of Duty maker would give it an unfair advantage over rivals in the gaming industry, even though they offered up 10 years of multi-platform development. It's the biggest antitrust claim brought against Microsoft in 20 years. Lena Khan has pledged to crack down on big tech consolidation. I, I'll have a comment on this one next week. I'll do a little bit of work on it this weekend. Other stories of note. Disney Plus launched a cheaper ad-supported option yesterday for $7.99. At the same time, its ad-free version also got a $3 price hike to $10.99. There will be no political or alcohol-related ads in the commercials. Let me think about that for just a second. Does that sound like heaven, no political ads? Political ads don't necessarily bother me. Do I even notice them? Despite steady growth in third quarter with 12 million new subscribers, Disney Plus is hemorrhaging money. It reported a $1.5 billion loss last quarter. So out goes Bob Shapik, in comes Bob Iger again. And or me and my son watched that series and pretty damn good series. Um, of the major streamers, only Amazon and Apple TV haven't introduced an ad option, even Netflix, which... Um, said ads are bad, ads are bad, ads are bad for years and years and years. They've come up with an ad tier last month. Disney owned Hulu was one of the first streamers to offer an ad tier, which counts for a majority of its subscribers. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Taking a look today at the market, there's a nervous eye on next week's CPI, Consumer Price Index. After the PPI report comes in a little bit hot, produced price index for final demand increased three-tenths of a percent month over month, following an upwardly revised three-tenths of a percent increase in October. We continue to consume. Even though there's inflationary prices everywhere we're going, we're still consuming. We are starting to see credit card debt climb, creep. I was going to say creep up. Um, Super price index is not being a friendly as expected at this point in time. 
Um, we're going to see inflation continue to tick a little bit lower, but it's not going to be fast on a year over year basis. The final demand for PPI producer price index was up 7.4% versus last month's read of 8.1%. 7.4 still very high. And it's on the hot side. Yeah, we do have the holiday season imminent, which we increase our uh, consumption. But this is not a great read. So if you're expecting the Fed to break and say, guess what, 2023 is going to be the year of interest rate cuts, it's probably not in the cards at this point in time. Um, rebound on enthusiasm right now. You know, it's that's one of those things that I, I need to chit chat with myself a little bit about. And we seem to be saying that on a regular basis. When will the Fed pivot? And that is starting to get a little bit of a grind for people. Take a look at the market numbers. Uh, worthy of note, Christine Sinema is leaving the Democratic Party and becoming an independent. Yeah. Is that a big story today? Uh, markets all opened slightly just a skosh lower. The Russell 2000 is down one third of a percent. The Nasdaq's down one tenth of a percent. The Dow's down two tenths of a percent. And the SP 500 is down less than one tenth of a percent. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. One of the things I try to do on this show is bring you multiple points of thought. Restoration Hardware CEO Gary Friedman. This is an interesting company. I remember Restoration Hardware in about the late 90s started to come public and the stores were interesting. Um, They have a restaurant at stores that doesn't serve alcohol because they don't really want the local boozers to come in and sit at the bar. They want the moms to come in and buy furniture and have a nice, soft, easy, quick lunch. Very interesting. They've modeled it like after a Sonoma uh, bistro. Restoration Hardware CEO Gary Friedman has never been one to hold back his blunt views. He's one of those people when he talks, we pay attention. He's seen a lot of uncertainty right now. He thinks the housing market is collapsing at a level he hasn't seen since 2008. The impact of housing and its slowdown wasn't hard to spot in Restoration Hardware's third quarter results. Sales tanked 13.6% from a year ago levels. I don't think the number is all that important, but I'll throw it out for you. They pulled in $869 million in revenue. Inventories rose by about $85 million. Inventories, you can imagine, are very important to track in clothing as well as furniture, as well as semiconductors, right? Today's semiconductor will be smaller, cheaper, faster next year. Therefore, once it's made, it starts losing value. National sales of previously owned homes fell for a record ninth consecutive month in October as climbing mortgage rates continue to pummel the housing market. I have... What do I have right now? Three active mortgages. And through the years, I've refinanced them all. Probably most of them. This is kind of 
blotchy of me, but most of them started in the three and a half, four percent range. And now are in the low threes or high twos. I can't imagine getting a better rate in the next five years. Can't imagine selling either of those mortgages, oh, either of those homes, or giving up those mortgages or paying them off. They're that low cost of money. So when you get a CEO, Gary Friedman, which is not Sam Bakeman uh, Friedman, um, very different person, right? I should quantify that just because you hear Friedman in the, the name. His dire warning on the housing market have left some Wall Street analysts concerned not only about restoration of hardware's profit potential in 23, but the entire home furnishing category. By that with the fact that restoration hardware will be operating against difficult multi-year demand comps when a couple of years ago we were all moving and getting new furniture, trying to source furniture was a joke. It took me about 13 months to get the kitchen table that my spouse ordered. Um, that's how long it took to get from Europe to the United States in the last calendar year. It's insane. So anyway, um, I think it's worthy of note when Restoration Harbor CEO talks that he's talking about a collapsing housing market that he hasn't seen since 2008. Just of note, stock markets go to bear markets and they tend to last, you know, uh, 12 to 18 months, up to three years. Same thing with housing. Um, the last big housing correction we had in the 2008 cycle, it took about two and a half, three years for it to go from, uh, for it to break and then to settle at lower and then settle at lower and then settle at lower prices. So we're year one, essentially into our correction at this point in time. How long will it go? Other stories of note today. Uh, let's stay on housing for a second. A real estate investor who sets aside $10,000 a month for his next investment property shares his two-step process for finding great deals. I love stories like this, but also at the same time, it's cautionary. We write way too many financial media stories about way too many people. If we were to limit our topics to 20, it would be a much, much better world. But let's get people enticed in clicking. Real estate investor Dion McNeely has shifted his strategy when it comes to finding deals. It used to be all about speed. Now he looks at days on market and he waits for it to creep up. It's a great thing to know. It's not the easiest thing to successfully pull off. So if I put my home on the market right now, just say my kids have graduated high school and it's time for me to move into a smaller home uh, on the beach. I put my home up on the market right now. I still have a mortgage because remember I said I like my mortgage payment. It could be sitting there for three months and I feel like, wow, that was a fast transaction. But when it gets to four, five months, six months, I'm still, like, still paying the mortgage bill. It's still being cleaned. It's still being staged. It's still being... We're still being asked to leave by a random real estate agent who forgets to flush when they're at the home, right? So six months is a longer period on the market where I'm going to be like, honey, if we get an offer, we need to take it. We need to stop wheeling dealing here. We need to take it. 
I'm getting tired of putting it on the market. I'm getting tired of, of paying the mortgage and no one's living there. We're at the beach. Let's get, let's get rid of this thing. At nine months, we're absolutely killing ourselves to get out of it. We're slashing the, you know, what was once a million dollar property is now 995,000 or 925,000. So the longer the market, longer the house sits on the market, the more likely price drops are coming. So you get a motivated seller is what this article is all about. It's not a bad way of looking at things. It's certainly not a get rich quick scheme metric, but you should know about how long the house has been on the market. And if it's ever been on the market and taken off, that's another trick that realtors will do is that once the house has been on the market for four or five months and no one's buying it, they'll take it off the market a uh, month later, they'll put it back on the market. So it looks like it's brand new inventory. A little bit on the tricky side, but motivated sellers are definitely a thing. Days on the market are definitely a thing when it comes to looking for real estate deals. You can always find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. It's worthy of note when I do look at a property, me and my spouse look at different things. And that's okay knowing going into it. I'm looking for how good the construction is. I'm looking for signs of rot. I'm looking for signs of replacements. Um, has the roof leaked up? Has the foundation cracked? Um, I'm not looking at the room size. Spouse looks at that. She has that covered. I'm not looking at the pantry. She's got that covered. I'm looking at, at foundation issues and windows and were they installed correctly or not. So we're, we're a fun couple, are we not? <laughs> What's your trick on real estate? I always love it when you drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. What is an ETF, an exchange-traded fund? They are what I would refer to as modern-day mutual funds. They're a little bit more tax efficient. Um, energy stocks can be found in an ETF. Tech stocks can be found in ETF. You can do any style of investing in an ETF. You can go for pure dividends. ETFs are a popular um, way of investing, and I, I think they're great. And they're low cost is the idea. And if you want to do something specific, like say 2023, maybe we go with energy. If you don't have energy in your portfolio, you probably should have some exposure. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stock ever mentioned on the show. Um, but after 2022, if we expect world economies to heat back up or go into a recession, yeah, energy will drop into a recession. And then energy will rise as the economies come out of recessions. Russia's war with Ukraine is a weird wild card. Higher travel demand and other drivers sent U.S. crude prices from around $75 a barrel at the start of 2022 to multiple times this year, we hit $120 a barrel. Then you get COVID issues out of China where you hear about factories like Apple factories being shut down for weeks and they're going to miss their iPhone shipments. But when you don't have a factory running, you also don't have energy being consumed. Did I say that correctly? When you don't have a factory running, did I do the double negative there? I think I might have. Sorry. 
So um, will energy have a good year? You know, moving into a recession is probably not the greatest time, but also it's the greatest time to get values. So if you're looking for price sensitivity, not the greatest, but if you're looking for values, probably in 12 to 18 months from now, you'll be like, that was worth it. But the instant gratification crowd is always problematic. Interesting little story on Tesla, and I love stories like this, but they're anecdotal at best, and I don't see the shopper stopping at this point in time. A Tesla owner says his Model Y ordered him to pull over, and then it trapped him inside. I have heard from a good friend in the industry that he was getting lunch with clients and got stuck in the car. The doors wanted to open, so the client's some of the doors wanted to open their doors wanted to open so the clients had to crawl out the back of the vehicle because that door would open the trunk um and that's kind of like a oh my not the greatest client experience you want to be talking about but also it's it's really bad on tesla because you're not hearing that with other vehicles but a tesla owner said his five-day-old car oh could you imagine Five days old, completely shut down. It even warned him. So he was driving and it said, um, he need to get out of the car. It had ordered him to pull over before it suddenly shut down and trapped him inside. So the power left the doors. So he had to break the car to ultimately get out. There's an emergency manual override latch on the door. But by pulling it, he said that it cracked the window in the vehicle. I don't know how that happens, but it apparently did. Um, And he's a YouTuber, which in this day and age, I think everyone is a YouTuber, kind of, or potentially if they have a cell phone. But he's actually a YouTuber, and this is negative press for Elon Musk for sure. What's even more interesting about it is it reminds me of one of the very first experiences I had in a Tesla. Um, I don't think it's ready for prime time in any way, shape, or form. I think it's a lovely vehicle, but I think the software is buggy. And to give you an example, me and my son were driving home on the highway, probably going 65 because the speed limit is there for your safety and protection. So I never speed. I'm a good boy. Right? You too, right? So I'm going 65 and it's cruising. It's going nice. We're singing some songs kind of thing, me and my son. And then the power goes out. While I'm driving, it does a blue screen of death. That's terrible. And there's no speed indicator. The turn signals aren't working. The vehicle of note is still operating as if... It was fine, but all the digital displays went off and I was like, what the hell is going on? And it wasn't nighttime, but I would imagine the lights would have gone off, but there's enough redundant systems in place that it didn't power down. So I pulled over to the side of the road, hyperventilated for a bit and um, pushed in the two buttons that resets the software. And two minutes later, I'm back on the road, but there was no one telling me this could happen. Then you Google it or you YouTube it or whatever you is your preference. And you quickly see like, oh, this is a very common thing. And they'll fix it in a software update. I'm like, wait, what? So that was my first interstate experience. 
not a good feeling in any way, shape, or form. And uh, so when I'm pulled over on the side of the road, of course, I'm hyperventilating. I'm calling my spouse. I'm like, what is going on? Can you Google this? Is this common? Is it going to do it again? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Going over the stock market today, market participants are on edge about next week's CPI number and the Fed's path forward. What will they say? The PPI number producer price index for November was hotter than expected. So if the producers were seeing demand, probably implies that they saw the consumer wanting demand. And if the consumer wanted demand, probably means prices aren't going to fall as much as we want them to next week. So we get that number and then we get the Fed next week. And then it's Christmas time. I'm officially calling it Christmas time. You can cue the peanuts music, the lulululululululu. There we go. The warm, comforting sounds of, of the blockheads. But we have to get through next week before we can start playing this. Um, how do you feel about Christmas season? I feel like I'm done shopping, but I'm never done shopping. When you have two sons, you're like, I was like, um, I saw the coolest tracksuit. One of my kids. Okay. This is funny. You'll appreciate how bad of a consumer I am. And I chastise you for being a a bad consumer. I was getting some groceries the other day and I I see the coolest tracksuit. And one of my kids really likes Nike and he's into looking good. So if he sees a hat that he, that he thinks they're going to get compliments, he'll pick it up. If he sees something stylish, he'll, he'll try to pick it up. So I saw the coolest tracksuit and, um, those are getting expensive. I'm not going to sit, call it the DJ culture, but the relaxed culture that's out there and the hip hop combination are coming up with some pretty cool, uh, threads, so to speak. I asked the guy and I, I felt like I just, uh, I'm an old man, like, Hey, that's a pretty cool tracksuit you got going on there. And he goes, yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. And I said, how much that cost? I was a little bit shocked to hear $600. $300 for the pants, $300 for the uh, zip-up hoodie. Say what? But it was hand-painted. It was like graffiti kind of thing. So it's one of a kind. But, and then in my head of heads, I'm like, okay, I saw what he was getting for groceries. He's getting a lot of ramen noodles and a lot of low cost food. And here I was getting like, uh, red meat. So, which I consider to be quite a luxury in diet as well as cost. And I go, I wonder if he could have spent that $600 on investing in a down market better than in a tracksuit. So here I was looking at it, admiring it for my kid and that I was, you know, putting on him. My, you probably could have done better with your money argument. Isn't that funny? I wanted his clothes and I can afford them, but he can't afford them was my thought. Talking about weird projection issues of psychology, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about weakness in some mega cap names are weighing on performance today. Treasury yields are moving sharply higher after the PPI report. It's worthy of note that we take a look at these numbers ever so quickly on a day-by-day basis, but don't get caught up in the day-by-day numbers. Um, 
you don't want to play that game. The S&P 500 is down just pennies at this point in time, fractions. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down about one-tenth of a percent. The NASDAQ is slightly in the green. The Russell 2000 slightly in the red. It means nothing because next week we're going to have a... What do we think the Fed's going to do? One moment. I was going to say come to Jesus, but that's not quite right. A come to Jerome Powell moment. Is that better? Wells Fargo upgraded Netflix today. Worthy of note. We'll come back to that one. Crude oil sits at about $70 a barrel. Gold has done nothing this year, even though it's supposed to be an anti-inflation play. 10-year treasury bonds, it's at 3.5%. Okay. That's probably the most constructive thing we've seen come out of the week is that the bond yields are factoring in a recession, creating lower cost of borrowing right now as people are hiding in the safety of, of government bonds. Government pays back their bills. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, or Rob Black Show. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. I'm very conscious that I feel negative vibes coming out of me when I talk about cryptocurrencies. I own none. I've avoided them from a pure, I don't get it standpoint. I understand non-fungible tokens, NFTs. I understand Ethereum and blockchain quite well. Um, It still hasn't made me go the aha moment of this is investable. To me, it feels like I'm buying a digital lottery ticket, trying to hold on to it for six months and sell it to someone else without the numbers ever being drawn. Crypto continues to face existential risks from people like me. There's been some high-profile failures this year that have dented institutional interest. Um, I'm worth more than the average retail investor, and I want nothing to do with it. Can you imagine the mutual funds and hedge funds and pension funds that are that make me look like a, like a fingernail? They're saying they want nothing to do with it until we get beyond some key pricing data and a Fed decision. Bitcoin seems to be stuck in a seesaw right around 17,000 right now. Cryptos haven't had any fresh developments stemming from the FTX collapse, and that's provided a bit of a quiet period of stabilization. Bitcoin and its peers remain largely correlated to the stock market swinging in step with the NASDAQ for much of 2022. Um, but until someone other than Gronk or Brady, isn't it great? I can just say one word names and you know who I'm talking about until people other than they take their money in Bitcoin. When you start seeing the DJ say, wire me in Bitcoin, when you start seeing the stock analyst say, yeah, I'll consult with you for three hours. I'll do that at $200 an hour. Give me 600 Bitcoin. I just don't see it right now. Canada's biggest pension fund known as CPP Investments has ditched efforts to study investment opportunities in crypto, citing anonymous sources. They're souring on digital assets before they even got into them. Looked into them, looked at the details and like, nope. 
So incumbent institutions, big money, as I like to call it, are not really participating in crypto. The Celsius and FTX bankruptcies showcase the unclear metrics for assessing the viability of crypto businesses beyond Bitcoin, Ether, also known as Ethereum, the second largest crypto rose 4% to about 1275. We all know the blockchain is, is genius. We all get that that can be a disruptor in the, in the industry. We just don't get the currency. Um, millionaires are asking, can I still retire on a million dollars? That's a really good question. Saying that a million dollars isn't what it used to be. Do you remember the um, scenes in movies? The spy who shagged me, Mike Myers, where Dr. Evil comes out of a coma and he wants to, you know, blow up the world and he asks for a million dollars, one million dollars. And his henchmen are like, that's not a lot of money. And now that used to be a lot of money in the 60s, but it's not a lot of money now. So you have to change it to a billion. A million's not what it used to be. There was a poll of about 1,600 people. And just over a third or 35% said they thought it would take a miracle to achieve a secure retirement. The average person in the survey said 2 million in investable assets would be the right number. So 1 million or 2 million is the new 1 million, right? It doesn't help that money management industry relies on rules of thumb, which make, you know, on balance, it very difficult. I tend to say, and again, this isn't right right now. If the 10-year treasury is yielding 4%, which it's closer to now than it was at the start of the year, you can get yourself a pretty nice payment of about $40,000 a year on a million dollars. Factor in 20000 in Social Security, of which 20000 is probably going to go to Medicare, Medi-Cal, Medicaid. So that's kind of a push. I look at Social Security as a push on healthcare costs. So a million dollars is going to pay you about $40,000 a year. So two million, about eighty thousand. Now, eighty thousand sounds a lot easier to live off than forty thousand, right? Forty thousand seems like it would be a little bit tight for some people who are used to higher six-figure salaries. Um, especially like if a roof needs to be fixed or a car needs to be replaced. Um, how much do you think you need for retirement? I used to say a million. Then when I got married, I said two million. Then when I had kids, I said four million. So I'm somewhere in that four to six million is what it's going to need me. Now, again, how long do I service my kids? Uh, let's say they live with me till they're 18. They go to college till they're 21. They go to grad school till they're 25. So if my income is supporting those decisions for them, it's going to be different when I do go cold turkey and retire and I'm no longer supporting them. So maybe I will need a smaller amount. But through the years, my number changed from one to four million. Um, I'm happy to say that I can retire today and live till the day I die and leave money to my children. That was always my goal. I achieved it a little bit earlier than I thought I would, leaving me in a taxing situation of what am I going to do in retirement? Um, one of the things that I've promised is when I leave radio, if I know it's coming, when I leave podcasting, if I know it's coming, I'll, I'll try to do something like Survivor or The Amazing Race. And I'll just say, there you go. I'm gone for three months. There you have it. 
and you'll see it unfold on TV. So don't know if that's going to be the case because that doesn't look like fun anymore. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Want to work with the company I'm working with, work with a CFP like I do. I work with Brad at EP Wealth. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com or rob at robblackshow.com. I'll set you up with a financial planner to review your financial scenario to see if you even need a financial planner. I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 